Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. This episode is sponsored, affiliated with something like that, with puresportcbd.com. Now, CBD is something that I have used for a long time, and I say this in every episode, but it usually tastes like broccoli. The CBD that I'm using at the moment is from Pure Sport CBD. They very kindly sent me some. I've been using the 1000 milligram tincture and recently, more recently, been using the capsules as well. It got turmeric and ginger in. Now, there's anti inflammatory benefits with CBD as well as increasing the quality of your sleep. I've experienced both benefits uh, since I've been taking the capsules. The anti inflammatory benefits have become even more profound. So if you're interested in CBD, you want to find out more, head to puresportcbd.com and if it tickles your fancy and you want to get some, see what it can do for you, use the code need to read 20 for 20% off. So that's puresportcbd.com and the code is need to read 20 and guess what? That's 20% off. This episode with Ben West is light on the books, but it's a very, very important topic and we're talking about mental health. We do discuss a couple of books. Um, Ben's experience with mental health is quite unique, um, but it is becoming more and more common, unfortunately. So I'll let Ben explain sort of who he is and what he does in just one moment. But if you are new here, um, do make sure to subscribe. If you like the episode, give us a review on Apple Podcast. It costs you nothing, but it really, really helps me. So thank you if you do that. Um, obviously, if you're on Spotify, just give us a follow. On Instagram, just let you know we're a need to read with the number two and not the word. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. So I'm going in dry right now, Ben. Um, Mr. Ben West, welcome to A Need to Read and thank you very much for coming on. Hello, thank you for having me on. Uh, so the reason I've got you on, you're a massive mental health campaigner and what I'd ask before we sort of go into this, not necessarily an interview, but more of like a, a free-flowing chat where I ask most questions um, is, is just to explain a little bit about yourself and um, what it is you do yeah so for those of you that, that don't know my story three years ago um i was very unaware of mental health problems and then suddenly very very suddenly um my 15 year old younger brother took his own life um and that was very very unexpected for me because i didn't realize how significant some of these problems that he was facing were um and after sam died loads and loads of people reached out to me and started talking about their own stories um you know when you lose someone you expect people to like message you be like what do you need let me know i'll, I'll yeah. get you whatever you need um and i had that but also i had must have been over 100 150 people talk to me about their own like journey with mental health or mm. you know two people actually messaged me and said that they'd attempted suicide and never told anyone and for me i was just like wow firstly i had no idea that this was a big problem at all but yeah. also these people are meant to be my friends and none of them felt comfortable talking about life-changing things that had happened to them because they were ashamed and i was like well that's just that's ridiculous um and so kind of in that that whirlwind of a time that i was in i was like right i need to do something because part of me was just like i can't see this happening again this is just so devastating i just don't want this to happen again 
Um, yeah. And clearly there are people uh, that I was at school with and that were in my local community that needed that outlet and that, that ability to talk. Um, so that's when I started um, trying to get people together and talking about mental health and <laughs> the kind of the snowball effect took, took over and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And we yeah. ended up doing a massive walk that year to raise money. Um, we met uh, all of the cabinet in the House of Parliament and I came away from that and I was just like, well, we can't stop here. And that's yeah. when I started the petition or the campaign to make mental health first aid a compulsory part of teacher training to actually teach teachers how to spot these signs, yeah. um, which has obviously led to Downing Street, Kensington Palace. Um, we've got 310,000 signatures and, and yeah, it's all a bit surreal. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. How, how many signatures are needed to, to make that a part? So this is the thing, right? So technically 100,000 to get it to be considered in parliament. Um, mm. But hmm, but we did it on change.org, which is a commercial platform for petitions, only because I put the same petition into the government one and it was taking weeks to get reviewed and, um, and allowed to become a petition. So I was just like, right, screw that. Let's just do it on change.org because yeah. it's commercial they can also help promote it. They can send it around and so it helps with that initial growth. But when we went to Downing street, because there's no, because it wasn't done through the legitimate platform, they were very much like, well, we're already doing this. So have a nice photo in front of the door. Thanks for everything you're doing. And we'll see you later. Um, so there isn't a limit. There isn't a number that we need to get. We just mm. need to get, a lot enough for them to get their attention and that's what i'm aware of you know you don't need to go through the official government one as long as yeah. people are aware of this issue and they're putting pressure on government then government's got to make the right decision um so we're just trying to get as many signatures as possible yeah yeah of course obviously that it's it's a dreadful thing what happened with your brother and we were just talking then before we started recording about how I'd, I'd watch a video on your website. So anyone that's listening, I strongly recommend going to Ben's website and, and having a look at the stuff that, um, that he's doing. I'll, I'll put a link to that in, in the description here, but how, how like when you first started getting all those messages, like for me, cause I've, so I've done some, some posts about mental health before and then I've had loads of people, just message me and message me and bombard you and yeah and like you yourself at the time like you you just lost your brother how was it was that overwhelming getting all these messages like was was there a chance like you were like i just need to kind of shut down and mm. and step away yeah. from it or was it like you were like right i'm gonna step up as it as it were to help help these people because obviously there's there's a chance like you said yourself like you didn't know that mental health could cause such an issue until of course it was it was unfortunately too too late in in the circumstance of your family how did you feel getting all those messages like yeah i i it would be i know how i want to answer this question but it would come across so unthankful because like i was really thankful for that network and for everyone reaching mm. out but in the initial couple of weeks i hated it because i was so desperate for it not to have happened and yeah. to go back to normal every time it, well, I was reminded of it, I, I hated it. I mean, less than a day. So Sam, we found Sam at 9.30 PM on a Sunday evening. Mm. I was in school at 5 PM the next day. I got in my car and I went to school. 
because I was like, I can't deal with this. I just want to go back to normal. Yeah. You know, at home we had police rounds. We had loads of people just right arriving in their car and like giving us flowers and food and hugging us. And I was like, no, I don't yeah. like this at all. I just felt so uncomfortable and I just wanted to go back to normal. So it must've been so weird for everyone at school. I just walked in and I was just like joking around laughing, which must've yeah. been so strange. Uh, they were like, do we have the right family? Do we know what's happened? But, um, yeah. but yeah, that was for me. I just, I really didn't like it because it kept reminding me. And also I'm quite a positive person and yeah. it was like everything, everything was negative. Everything yeah. was people crying and hugging you. And you're like, I, they're allowed to. And obviously that's, you know, that's, that's a good way of expressing it. But I just wanted to get away from that negativity so badly that I just pretended like nothing had happened. Um, so, yeah, but obviously, you know, those messages did become quite comforting later mm. on. So you, yeah. when I'd look back and I'd be like, yeah, actually, yeah. I have such an amazing support network. And I think the realization of I can lean on people was so important for me because I was able to bounce back quite quickly just because I was able to recognize that I could go and cry on someone's shoulder and, and, you know, do that sort of stuff. So in that regard, later on, they were actually so, so valuable to me. But in the beginning, I, I hated receiving those messages. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's something I've told anyone. (laughs) No, I th- I, th- I think that's fair. I think that is, as boys, unfortunately, we're kind of forced into that zone where like someone's emotional with us, and like we're like, "Fool, you hold your horses yeah. right there." Like, let's may- maybe we just don't yeah. talk about this. And I think that's the amazing thing about what you're doing is, is you are encouraging people to talk about it. And one of your videos, you, you talk about what people say to their families and and say, say to their friends is completely different as to what they say to a stranger and this is what you do on your walks isn't it you get like hundreds or how many people went to your first walk was it 450 450 it's quite a lot yeah we, we were <laughs> expecting we were expecting 50 <laughs> no way yeah we were expecting 50 we were expecting 50 people and a thousand pounds we got 450 and 15 grand <laughs> no way. which is why like i came away from that and i was like how can i not keep going because it's almost yeah. so addictive when you can when you exceed your expectations by so much. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's like a sense of altruism. They're like, oh, you're doing this to help people. Do you, and obviously I hope you don't mind me asking, do you think that might have been like a coping mechanism? Like when, when it first came out, it was like, let's make sure this doesn't happen for other people. Like I'm going to do all that I can to make sure that's the case. Yeah, definitely. I think actually at that point, it was one of my only coping mechanisms. Like I said, I'm really, really positive. Um, and I just can't bear anything negative really. And so for me being drowned in this negativity, that's how I like to think of it. And, you know, what I, I refer to it always like ceremonial sadness that we have in mm. this culture where someone dies and you're like, we've got to be sad. And I'm like, well, no. So I got everyone to dress in bright pink and we went on a walk and it was all smiles and happiness. And we just, but we always had this really serious tone of, yeah, we've got to sort out this problem. But underneath that, mm-hmm. so that was underneath. And on top, it was just pink camo, pink, um, bright pink colours. And we tried to make it really fun and, and entertaining. Um, but yeah, ceremonial sadness. That's really what I hated about the whole situation. Yeah. It wasn't like a celebration of the life that you'd had up until that point. It was just a, a yeah. sadness that had gone. It's interesting. Yeah, I, um, I was in Portugal a couple of weeks ago and I was driving back to the airport and about 4.30 in the morning, a random man came up to me in a petrol station 
and was like, excuse me, mate, are you going to the airport? And I was about three hours from the airport at the time. And I was like, yeah, I am. Stranger danger. I probably shouldn't be speaking mm. to you. You look like the guy <laughs> off of um, Human Centipede. You look like the scientist there. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> long story short, he asked me to take his wife to the airport. And I instantly said yes. And she was going to for her brother's funeral in like Malawi or something like that, some, some country in Africa that I don't know where it is. And... I said to her, I was like, oh, is, is a funeral like a, like a celebration of life? Or, and she's like, no, 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 we are sad. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. So that's, that's one culture that they also do the sadness thing. Um, so I, I think that is something that's quite important to remember is when someone does pass on for people, is just like to remember all, all the good things. I'm sure that you've got countless good memories with, with your brother from the past. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Loads. And I think that was. Um... Yeah, that was comforting to look back on because initially when, especially when you lose someone like this, initially all you face is like this horrific grief in that you constantly blame. There's this like blame game that you play in your head. So for a long time, it was my fault. And not just me being able to say it was my fault, but genuinely believing like in in your heart of hearts, you believe that you were the reason this happened. Um, And and so actually that starts to fade and you're like, actually, yeah, we had some good times. You kind of appreciate those, but you're right about this whole, I hate the whole sadness when people die. I really do. Like when I die, I want a massive party, fireworks. Everyone's just get absolutely smashed when we're like 80 years old. <laughs> That's how I want to go. I don't want everyone sitting around and crying and hugging each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm um, sure you're going to touch a lot of people's lives. So it's going to be hard for them to not be a little bit sad. Um, by the time you're 80, I'm sure you'll, you might even be prime minister, mate. By the way, that, by the way that I see your Instagram. I going. really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Something's you actually have gone to be a very, sociopath. very badly wrong in this, in this world. If I become prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so you're, you're campaigning at, at, like at the moment, you, so you've obviously you've been to Downing street and, and the idea of it is getting like more mental health, um, mm. sort of first aiders. What other steps do you, do you think there are in terms of importance to, to stop this kind of thing happening again and affecting more and more people? Yeah, um, there's a lot that we still need to do. I think a good comparison in answer to this question is if it's comparing mental health with COVID. Mm-hmm. And if you look at how we're tackling COVID, we've got the spend on the reaction, which is hospitals, ventilators, making sure there's enough beds, building hospitals. Yeah. There's that reaction, um, which is great. And we need that. But there's also the prevention, which is washing your hands, public information campaigns, mm. masks, you know, putting stickers on the pavements, social distancing. Um, you've got loads that are going on to stop people getting to hospital. Yeah. With mental health, we don't have that. We have the spend into the hospitals. We have the spend into care, into therapy into you know cutting down waiting times but no very mm. little spend in contrast on the prevention but imagine yeah. imagine if we flipped that and we went covid we're just funding hospitals well we're not going to be any different situation as we were at the peak of that yeah. first lockdown were we because then no one's stopping you're not stopping people from getting to hospital and that's yeah. the problem we have with mental health is we're not stopping people from getting to the point where they need hospital treatment yeah. and that's the problem and that reaction is where we need more of um, education, awareness in schools. We need early intervention. Um, and, and yeah, so what I'm calling for teachers being trained in mental health first aid, that, that really serves for two reasons. That's one is 
we need to pick up on these signs early because the earlier you can find a problem, the quicker you can sort it out. And and usually yeah. if you pick it up early, you can sort it out with reasonably less hassle than if it's later on in the line, down the line. And two, we need teachers to be able to teach students about this. Yeah. And I don't think it's it's going to work having a teacher standing at the front of the room being like, right, today we're going to do a lesson on mental health and then roll off some facts and figures. I mean, we've all sat through a sex ed lesson. Yeah. How often is that actually valuable? The only reason you listen is to put a condom on a banana or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. We get one of those bright bright blue dildos that we used to throw around (laughs) the room. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like it's very, it's just not valuable at all, those lessons. Mm. And that's what I'm scared of is that the government have now put on, the PACHE curriculum under health, they have to cover mental health. But actually, if we cover it in a bad way and we have people that don't really know what they're talking about teaching it at the front, that could actually be make the problem worse. So I think it's about getting that information, getting that education to students that can that can get that prevention and then also yeah. be able to pick up on signs early. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what we need, that prevention more than reaction. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting you say about COVID because I think they say it's like one in four people will be affected by mental health at some stage during their life. And like, I could probably do the figures on COVID quite quickly. I know it's definitely not one in four people going to be affected by that. And what's actually like coming to sort of to be clear now is that mental health is more deadly than it's ever been. Yeah. And that's, that's the issue is that like you say like there's there's not the education around it and because there hasn't been education the longer this goes on the the worse it's going to get and it will be like a snowball effect that will be more and more people like i i am fortunate enough to not not know anyone personally that has has taken their own life but i've now heard of four separate people since the start of lockdown that have ended up taking their lives that are like separated from me by one person which is more than I'd heard throughout the years running up to it. And that's when it's, it's obviously it's frustrating that the government seemed to be ignoring that. And I was like, I'm loving your post at the moment about uh, <laughs> Boris Johnson <laughs> and, yeah. and the fact that the government aren't doing enough. And it, it takes people like you to, to make it funny, to make it real mm. as well. So it's, it's amazing that you, stay so positive and can make a joke out of this because i think that really does help people yeah yeah that's true but also for years mental health has been this dark subject i mean you type Mm. mental health into google it's all skulls and nooses and it's all like miserable i'm like well it doesn't have to be if you type in cancer research it's not going to have the same it's bright pink Mm. you know and it's all fun and games but which is it's not but it's made to be quite an attractive subject but mental health never been an attractive subject or trendy or fun you know that's why people shy away from it it's because it's just seen as this really dark depressing topic which is not which of course depression is depressing but it it can also like there's there's it comes in many different faces how like have you dealt with everything How, how have you managed to like remain sort of positivity is it is that you do have those days where you're pretty bad yeah Definitely. Um, so I think very early on, I realized that I needed to talk. Um, and I was very, very lucky to have quite a supportive group of friends, supportive family that I could immediately just lean on. And I knew that straight away. But 
I never really was very honest. Yeah. In those first few months, I, I actually, I actually scripted all of my answers to questions. So if someone would ask me if I was okay, I actually had in like a few scripts that I already pre-planned that I could say that were that I'd mm. actually prepared to make it sound yeah. honest. Um, and it was, I was in Liverpool one day and I was just, I was crying in the street. I was having a really bad day and it was a homeless man that I, uh, that came up to me and hugged me and like we sat and chatted for ages. And that was, that was when I went, yeah, I'm, I'm really just lying. I'm really not being honest with anyone. And so yeah. then I started to talk a little bit more to people and, and it was kind of that slow progression realization of how important that was even though I've, I've been talking about how important it is to talk for yeah. a year a year at that point, I still didn't really appreciate it. Um, so I've been lucky in that regard. Also, you know, through what we've done with the mental health um, campaigning, through the walk, through the, the petition, through everything else I've done, you do reach a lot of people. And people have been affected by what I've done and they don't hold that back. They tell you. So yeah. I can go on Instagram and I can find messages from people that have said that, that I've helped them overcome things that they've gone to see a therapist yeah. for the first time. You know, I've got a letter from someone that says that I've, you know, I've potentially saved someone's son, which yeah. if you're having a bad day and you can read something like that, you don't have a bad day anymore, really. Yeah. And it puts, it very much puts life into perspective. And I think that's, that, that word is quite key perspective. You have yeah. quite a lot of perspective on life now. It makes you look at life very, very differently. And you know, when I'm having a bad day, I'm like, I'll go for a, I'll go for a run, I'll go for a walk, and I'll be like, yeah, you know what? It it's not that bad. You know, I haven't got I haven't got it that bad. Um. So so yeah, it's been a it's been a slow process, but I think I've got to a point now where I'm quite good at overcoming those those bad days and overcoming problems. Yeah, definitely. You're how you're twenty or yeah. Yeah, hmm. to to go through that and not to be condescending to, but to be twenty years old and to have that mindset is really something lucky. special. <laughs> yeah, I suppose obviously the way that you've got there is is not lucky at all. Yeah, um, yeah. But but to be at I that always, point, I always say though, if if everyone could go through something like this without having to go through the trauma of it, they should because hmm. it, honestly, it's the most if you don't take if you don't have the yeah, the negative effect of it the positives you can take from it are absolutely enormous like mm. I, i'm a totally different person to who i was three years ago in so many different ways for yeah. the better like if i always say that if someone could if everyone could go through something like this we'd have an amazing world because it really makes mm. you look at everything differently do you feel something like depression or like going through anxiety does actually kind of make people assess their lives and become better people yeah, I think adversity makes you assess your life and become better people. You know, whatever mm. you go through, you always take take things away, and without have, without sounding too cringy, right? There's a silver lining around everything. Mm. Even if you lose a family member, there are positives that you can take away from that. And as long as you concentrate on those, not the negatives, which is what I try to do, you yeah. can you can grow out of these situations and actually become a better person than you were to start with. So that's what I've kind of made that my mission that my goal to try and use it to develop use it to grow um yeah and rather than letting it letting it destroy you because it can quite easily destroy you 
yeah definitely there's a book that i always rage on about it's called the obstacle is away by ryan holiday and it, and it dates back to like ancient sort of stoic philosophy which is like grecian 500 years before potentially there was some bloke called jesus walking around um and it is all about turning the obstacles or the challenge that's in front of you into an opportunity for growth yeah. um and I think this is like a, a, a prime example of that. You're you're essentially embodying all the little stories that are in that book. And it's really it's inspiring to speak to some of that because there'll be days where I'll feel down and I'll really let that get on top of me and I won't see it as an opportunity mm-hmm. at the time. But then the next day I'll be like, okay, right, I'm on it again. But it's, it's, it's cool to see. I, I feel like I'm blowing smoke up your ass a little bit here, but it is really cool to see um, that this, this positive mindset is forcing you to do all these great things now you're at uni at the moment yeah yeah Hmm. and what what are you studying um i do aerospace engineering at liverpool nice nice yeah it's um (laughs) it's a lot bit different (laughs) to uh a little bit a little bit yeah how how have you found sort of because I know in terms of timings, like we've spoken before this, like you said, you're not a massive reader and that's fine because I'm, I'm changing this podcast slightly to just speak to people about the important things yeah. um, as well as what role sort of reading potentially plays in their life. Um, and we spoke about mental health books before we got on. You said you had three there yeah. with you. So what, what were those three? I know they might be on the other side of the room now. <laughs> I, I bought them over. I was, uh, oh, nice. I was smart. So first one, I've got Reasons to Stay Alive by Matt Haig. And I think this is really good because not only does it normalize a lot of the stuff that people go through, because I feel like when you talk about mental illness, people go, that's not me. But actually a lot of what people go through is something that we see a lot every day anyway. So for example, panic attacks, right? We might not have a panic attack, but we, we can experience some of the symptoms of one. Yeah. And actually reading about someone that's been through a lot and learning how he's coped with the massive things can actually really help you with the little things. So yeah. that book is fantastic. And also for me to see someone that was at the point where my brother was and mm. see where his mindset was and see what he was going through. It was really nice to see, to have that sort of understanding because there's so much yeah. misunderstanding and so difficult to understand. But actually reading that side of the story is quite nice. Yeah, but, definitely. Hold on, hold on, hold on on the Matt oh. Haig one there. Um, oh, really? Okay. So that that book, just for anyone that's listening, is yeah. now available on the BBC Sounds app for free. And he's he said that he wants no more money um, from yeah. that book. And Matt Haig, I honestly, he's I've, amazing. I hide him in such high regard. I think he's such a legend. So All his books that I've good. read have just blown my mind. And mm. that reasons to stay alive one, I think, for perspective for anyone that potentially feels like they have yeah. maybe. 10% of their life is spent in sadness or 20% or even when it's 50, 50 is to read a book like that. And, and to realize that like someone like Matt Hay could have spent time that she stood on the edge of a cliff ready to die mm. to now being like a super successful author that he's still very honest about his mental health as well. Like he, he, he says on his Instagram all the time, he's like, yep, yeah, I had a really bad day today, but like tomorrow's a new mm. day. I went for a run. I did some yoga and I still felt shit. And sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you were, you're going to go with your next book. I think no, I, I think okay. I saw the corner of it. I think I know what it is. Do you want to give it a guess? Go a guess. Is it How to Fail by Elizabeth Day? Yes. Yeah. Is. Okay. Great book. Such a good book. 
such an important message throughout the whole book, you mm. know, because I think people are still so scared of it, of making failures. Yeah. And for me, this whole story still feels like a failure of mine. And it really does. Mm. Like, that's how I look at it. Um, and actually, that was one of the reasons I wanted to start this, because I felt like I'd failed Sam. I yeah. failed him. And the reason that this all happened was my failing. And I still today feel like I've got a part in that. And I do, te technically. Um, mm. And I think it's it would be very, very damaging for me to totally concentrate on that failure. Um, yeah. But this book's so good for just outlining how important it is to see failure as just part of life and just it's use it. I, yeah, it's just fantastic. And I think that's those two books everyone should read. Right. Do you know what, mate? I'm glad. I'm glad that you're a boy, and I'm glad that you've read read from a girl's perspective like that. Yeah. Because, firstly, there's a lot of blokes out there. They they could do with up in their feminine energy a little bit, because yeah. this whole like toxic masculinity thing of being like, yeah, I'm one of the boys. I don't fail. I'll just like get on with it. Reading a book like that is you you can reframe and like completely mm. change the word failure and to like giving up. Because for a, for a lot of my life, I've I've come, thought I've just a complete failure and everything. Like I left school yeah. too early, got kicked out, joined the Marines, left there too early, started loads of different jobs, done loads of different things. And one of my biggest things when I first went to therapy was the story of that I'm a failure. Right. And I think a lot of people have these stories that they don't tell people about failure, regardless of, of what it's into, not realizing that everyone thinks it about themselves. There are those lucky yeah. people i think are almost a bit crazy you don't think they're failures at all and i think maybe it's like a i tell myself it's a high standards thing and like it's it's interesting i, I like i wasn't going to tell you that you're not a failure for, for what happened with your brother because i don't think you'd listen but of course i don't think you're a failure for, for what happened with your brother you you weren't to know any 17 year old boy would would never be able to see the signs for that and, that, and and what you're doing now speaks volumes for for sort of trying to change that because you you're a victim of circumstance in that sense you can't help mm. where you're born where you're educated like how how you're raised and for a problem that's yeah. almost relatively new i think yeah on so, on that subject of it being relatively well, new how do you feel about this whole snowflake generation thing? Like when yeah. people say about that, cause it, it frustrates me to the core. Cause yeah. Yeah. Firstly, I think you just um, you said it's not my fault and technically how I see it is it was my fault, but it's also the system's fault for not preparing me to help. Um, mm. So, so I kind of, I, I look at myself to blame, but my blame is not my fault. If that makes sense. Um, and that's yeah. what makes me want to change it and educate people to be able to deal with it. Um, <clears throat> snowflake generation, I hate that word. <laughs> mm. Because how can you compare now with anyone else? You know, yeah. we as a generation and, and you know, the, the people younger than us are facing so much stress and so much difficulty. And, you know, people always say when you say that, like, oh, but what was it like in the war? And I'm like, well, you can't compare it. I know that must have been difficult, but now you've got mm. a you've got access to absolutely everyone you know in your pocket yeah. all the time, and you've got incredibly high standards 
all the yeah. time that you're you're seeing you're getting on your thing you've got an increased amount of bullying in schools you've now got an increased amount of cyberbullying in schools you've got pressure every year getting bigger and bigger and bigger in schools you've got more competition you've got exams every single day of your life it feels and i just find it so infuriating when people say with snowflake generation stop complaining and mm. get on with it you know you didn't have a world war blah, blah, blah. like mm. yeah we might not be at war but we've got an incredible problem and if you don't believe that all you've got to do is look at the statistics yeah. look at the graph that compares um self-harm rates with um social media accounts under 18 yeah compares suicide rates of young girls against um social media accounts rates yeah. for under 18 it is a mirror image and it's terrifying to look at but it's it's unbelievable and we are facing so 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 much pressure and i don't think we quite recognize how much pressure we're putting on young people at younger ages um and yeah. without some sort of education on looking after ourselves and how we can we can combat that stress and how we can combat that pressure what do people expect we're going to be yeah. we're going to be putting pushing people very 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 hard um, yeah. so yeah I hate that phrase <laughs> in yeah. short I think it's something we kind of need to breed out as well so basically if if someone's talking about snowflake generation don't have their babies that's 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 how we have to start I think it's gonna be a long process but mm. like yeah for the girls listening if, if someone talks about snowflake generations and someone's like taking the piss out of someone for opening up do not reproduce with that person yeah I think that's that's where we need <laughs> yes. to start <laughs> that's all we do yeah 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 I, i'm definitely down for that <laughs> breed out the bell ends <laughs> yeah yeah that'll be my next campaign <laughs> mate i'll join i'll join that i'll try and head that we'll up that. i've got the pink t-shirt yeah yeah that's it yeah perfect breed out the nice. bell ends that's brilliant it's true though it's so true because that's the that is what's going wrong is these people that are then becoming dads and then having the same mm. influence on their children like you're not allowed to talk for yeah. Like, well, that's stupid, isn't it? Well, first you're setting them up to fail, and also you're making yeah. their life so much harder. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm down for that that campaign. <laughs> yeah, nice. I also, think it's interesting. So, sorry, you're... means there's pl- there's a little bit plenty more fish in the sea if there's less of those knobheads to to, to steal. <laughs> exactly. Us us soft boys will clean yeah, up. It would be less, great. <laughs> exactly. Less 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 competition. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's interesting with with the whole like snowflake generation thing. And I think the, the parents that don't encourage talking and things like that, you find a lot of the time I look around at like friends or people that I know up until maybe late twenties, early thirties, it's the point that they're absolutely fine until that point. Mm. And then they realize like potentially for their whole life that they have been kind of doing it wrong. And when you realize that talking is, is a great therapy and, and, you need to talk about your problems they have like a breakdown and that that could be prevented because i think it's now like what what's the statistics for men i'm I'm sure you're hot on the statistics there but to is it like 200 percent more men kill themselves than women in between like 25 and 40 yeah it's around that yeah it's it's Mm. quite amazing when you see them together it's so much higher for men yeah it's mad isn't it and that is i think down to the people that are not down to the people that are saying about the snowflake generation but it's that kind of attitude that yeah will force people now that are potentially 18 years old at the moment 
they'll be like, oh, I don't want to be a snowflake. They'll keep it in, keep it in until they're 25. And then, bang, that's a depression. And I'm pretty yeah. much just describing what, what happened with my life there of just being like, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to be a snowflake. I voted for like conservative like four or five years ago. Shows what a different person I was like then. Mm. And just like uh, just the ignorance and my attitude towards everything. So that's what we need to we need to breathe that out. But what what's the uh, what's the third book? Third book, it's a bit of a different one. It's not mental health related, but it's called The Storms. Do you know the um, movie Everest? Yeah, I haven't seen it though. Yeah, so I met Mike Truman, who was on Everest during that disaster, and honestly. I think it's one of the most inspiring books I've ever read because like I said about perception earlier and I think that gives you so much perspective. Like I, one of my favorite things to do is watch a sun, a sunset and watch, mm. see the stars because I, no matter how bad I feel or how many problems are going on, you, you cannot look at the sunset and the stars and then go, got such a bad life because mm it makes everything it makes everything puts everything into perspective right and that's what this book did i was just like wow. wow yeah i can't really complain about about having five lectures tomorrow because you know we've got all this stuff going on they've had to deal with this and like it, i don't know it just for me it just puts stuff into perspective yeah. because you just realize how small a part of everything you are when you've got massive massive forces at play and and just yeah it's just uncomprehendable the size of everything and it makes you feel like such a small little part of that and then it kind of makes you think you know all you've got to really do in life is just enjoy the time we've got here i know that sounds so cringy yeah. but it really does that's what that book did to me and i finished that and i was like yeah i'm gonna go for a run i feel brilliant that's how i kind of yeah. ended that one <laughs> okay nice and that's what is it just a story of someone's like journey up and sort of through mm. everest yeah so he was part of a team that was climbing Everest um, when the storms hit so the storms came out of nowhere and, and you know he lost friends that day um, mm. uh, and it was yeah really inspiring and obviously he signed it for me as well which is always nice oh, um, yeah, but yeah nice. no I, that was that is always nice in it so that's why he's got the number one spot because he was just like yeah go on Ben all the best yeah. there, I think he said but yeah no it was a um, really really inspiring book yeah nice and um in terms of like your campaigns, have you, do you encourage sort of reading around the subject at all and potentially for like teachers, for parents, potentially reading around mental health, how, how they yeah. can help potentially seeing signs? Definitely. I mean, there's so many resources out there. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a book either. You just mm. Google it. There's yeah. so much that you can learn and you cannot stop learning. Mental health is so complex. They're mm. so complex and it's in, almost impossible to teach yourself the whole range of things that you might need to know. But yeah. as a teacher, someone that's, that's around children, someone that, that wants to know more, that maybe has someone that, that has a mental health problem or just wants more understanding, just Google, Google stuff. You can, there's so many books out there that, that are technical and, and can increase your knowledge. You know, MHFA England, which run the accredited mental health first aid courses, they sell mental health first aid manuals, which are literally yeah. just step by step 
here's the instruction to this that goes alongside their courses but you can you can just get the manual and read that yeah um but i think that it comes back to what i said at the beginning how we beat this is through education and prevention yeah and if no one's being educated then we're not changing anything so if someone can have that through their own accord go out there and educate themselves so they can better do their job or to better be a family member or to be better be a friend or to be a better person then that's brilliant and you're part of the solution so definitely education is is how we how we beat this and reading what other people have learned and other people's stories and other people's solutions is vital vital yeah definitely and but before we wrap this up there obviously with the mental health first aid thing what what could be is there anything that you've got at the forefront of the mind that you could teach people over a couple minutes is there is there anything like that in terms of mental yeah. health first aid that could be that one thing that one yeah. nugget that could arm everyone that listens yeah right it's so cliche i'm really really sorry it's such a cliche but it's so important to talk and i don't mean that in a way that it's important to talk about your feelings but if you are in any way worried about someone i know it's really really hard to do but you've got to have that initial conversation just say something are you okay there was a campaign that was out by time to change i think that was that was all about asking twice so you say hello how are you and they say yeah i'm fine ask again like how are you really or you know if there's anything you want just talk to me and if you are worried about someone having that conversation is so important but what i would say is more important than starting the conversation is not then trying to solve the problem Mm. so what people don't understand is when you think about physical first aid if someone breaks their arm you're trying to like fix it and put it in a cast and all this all this not cast but like in a bandage and like making trying to help right you're trying to do something to help them but actually with mental health it's more effective for you to actively listen to what they have to say than it is for you to be like no no let's let's do this you know let's go out for a drink let's go and do this let's go and do that we'll take you here and that's actually not really helping if you can give someone your time where they can just talk about what's going on and you can listen actively listen that is so much so much more valuable than for them to say i've got a problem and you for you to then try and fix that problem um it's much much better just to let them get something off their chest and if they ask you for advice you know then then have your say but i think that's what i'd say is be straight up and ask and then be prepared to just listen and not have to Mm. chip in and give your advice yeah definitely i think we unfortunately live in an age now where when people ask that how are you question it's quite superficial and it's just like how you doing mate yeah i'm all right you it's yeah. typical of Brits as well. Like we're all sort of, yeah, yeah. Mate, all right. And um, yeah, I, th- I really like that about being an active listener. Um, but just b- before I let you go there, I think that's brilliant. I'm definitely, that's going to be a soundbite for sure. Um, what what would be, where, where can everyone find you? What's going on? And I'll obviously, I'll yeah. put links to everything um, in, in the description of this episode. Yes. So I am on all the socials. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, so add me there. My username's at I am Ben West. And if you'd like to sign the petition, which of course you do because you've listened, um, www.change.org forward slash save our students takes 30 seconds to sign. And I'd really, really appreciate a signature on that. I mean a lot. So, so there we go. Yeah.
Perfect. Well, thank you very much for that, Ben. And just so that I can be extra firm with everyone, sign that petition or you're a prick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheers. I was. It didn't. I didn't say it. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I said it, not him. Well, thank you very much for listening in. Um, I'll put the information for the petition in the description on the episode. Please, please go and sign that petition. It is very, very important that we do this. We've got to make sure that the world is prepared for what's really the real pandemic which is people's mental health at the moment so go sign that petition let's protect the kids at school it's a very very important cause and i'm sure we don't want anyone to go through um what ben has had to go through with his brother obviously if you want to find anything else about ben it's at i am ben west on instagram uh obviously if you're new here and you just come here to listen to ben it's at a need to read with the number two and not the word for the instagram for here And that way you can keep up to date with everything on the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Ed Cunningham, of course. He's been Ben West. And Afida Zain, good night. Adios. See you later. Take it easy, everyone. Thanks for listening.